Star Wars Sessions. Extra! Greetings, Exalted Ones. It's Matt here, or Jabba the Hud, whatever floats your fancy. And I'm here tonight to talk to you about the rise of Skywalker novelization. Just for added authenticity, it's right here in my hand. Uh, also dubbed the expanded edition, shall we say. The embargo has lifted, so I won't be lynched for openly discussing this book. And before I start, I just want to shout out to the good folks over at Delray UK, who were wonderful enough to provide an advanced copy of the book, which, as always, we are extremely grateful and thankful for. Uh, we actually met a couple of the ladies at MCM Comic Con uh, in London last year, and they were wonderful so um thank you guys again we really appreciate you sending these out for us to read yeah look at look at this it's a book review and in a minute i literally am reviewing the book it's beautiful man just uh, the the raised words of star wars the way they feel like you feel that's me feeling it the colors on the front cover you got ray and kylo aboard the on top of the death star ruins the colors are wonderful it's just great and at the on, on the back just stars and every generation has a legend Usually, I'd say those legends would be me and Luke, but in this case, I'm going to think it might be Ray. Of course, it's Ray. But uh, as for the book, yeah, the book actually looks and feels wonderful. So there's my book review. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, no, so for the novelization, Ray Carson is the author, and Ray previously wrote Most Wanted in the Star Wars canon, as well as the short story The Red One from uh, from a certain point of view, all about R five D four, and also Hear Nothing, See Nothing, Say Nothing from the Canto Bite novel in the uh, lead up to The Last Jedi. And this novel, The Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition, it promised to expand on our knowledge of The Rise of Skywalker, adding some new details, fleshing out existing scenes and incorporating deleted scenes and ideas too, which is exciting. So first up, there will be mild spoilers for this. The movie itself has been viewed by everyone who actually wants to see it. Plot points have been all over the internet. Well, it got leaked, didn't it, <laughs> a year ago. But uh, an excerpt from this book this here our very book have been plastered all over social media for weeks now obviously not everybody would have seen them but in this day and age it's quite hard to miss them so there may be mild spoilers for the story in this review now as a starter i want to say i really like this book i really did like this book as somebody who was left slightly disappointed by the rise of skywalker the film this gave me what i wanted detail exposition depth and development I like the Rise of Skywalker. Those who listen to the show and heard of all of all of our ramblings will know that I liked it, just not anywhere near as much as I wanted to. Subsequent viewings, when it comes out on digital, which it seems to have done already, whether that tempers out or not, but I have always said I'm really going to enjoy rewatching it because it is fast, it's fun, and it's action packed, and it's got big moments in it as well. But it just didn't hit me the way I thought it would. The novelization, though, filled in a lot of those blanks for me and if I can be so bold I think the writing and screenplay for The Rise of Skywalker was a bit naff I said that already but for those new to the show I thought the writing the screenplay was a bit naff all rush and all bang but little in the way of depth so Ray Carson was on a bit of a hiding to nothing to salvage certain narrative threads and for the most part I think she succeeds actually there are still some aspects which leave you kind of scratching your head and still remain a bit naff However, uh, Ray Carson gets under the skin of the characters and provides some great moments for us that work with what we saw in the film, but also give us new light, highlight new moments, which which we can uh, pump our fists at. Because remember, it's canon. 
So as I said, I enjoyed this an awful lot and I powered through it in under a day, literally from getting it, sitting down in the morning, reading it through. I had to go out in the afternoon, I know, why be tired and all that. Came back in, bosh, 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 finished it off. I lapped it up. Lapped it up like an exhausted dog slurping up that cool water in his bowl. It gives some great revelations, but also raises some uh, frustrating questions at times. That's something to say as well. I love this book, but there are still some things which don't sit right. You know, I mean, things that have been brought into the canon via this book, which still actually add more questions and don't really cover what maybe they are intended to do. Um, so about the book now, what what is it about the book I like? What's new? What's added? What's so good about it? So the guys over at StarWars.com gave us an excerpt of the book, which was from the opening, which was Mus- uh, Carlo Ren raising hell on Mustafar and encountering the, the Oracle, a.k.a. the Eye of Webbish Bog. But um, the book actually opens with Ray and Leia training. And we get a lot more insight into their relationship, what they, how they've been training, Ray's perceptions of the Force and the Jedi, and uh, Leia's inner monologue about what it is to be a teacher. It's really, really interesting uh, it's a great start. And then we get into Mustafar and the description of Kylo just butchering the natives is wonderful. Ray Carson's a very descriptive writer. She's very good at describing and putting images into into uh, into the reader's head. But as descriptive as she may be, I'm glad that we saw some concept art of the Eye of Webbish Bog, aka the Oracle, because uh, it's a spider attached to a baby's head. Obviously, of course. So, but the and obviously reading that book, I'd think, what the hell is all that about? Seeing the concept art actually still makes me think that, but I don't know, maybe it could have been cool seeing it on screen. It was filmed. All that stuff was filmed. The Oracle was made. Neil Scanlon's come out and said as much that there actually exists a, you know, the scenes where Carlo and the Eye of Webbish Bog are talking. So uh, maybe one day we'll get to see that or, or in some way, shape or form. But uh, yeah, so we get an awful lot more of that. And this it's an interesting scene that sheds light on, light on Vader's relationship to the people and the planet of Mustafar, plus how Carlo finally gets his hands on, on the Wayfinder. And obviously, one of the things on Star Wars sessions we've spoken about an awful lot, and people around the world, is Palpatine. Palps, palps, palps. How, what, why, when, where. The book goes into some detail to try and explain that, to try and alleviate the stresses and strains and pressures that people have felt trying to work out how old Sheev was back. Uh, it's something that I and many others wanted more information on. And we do get it. Uh, Ray Carson was given that uh, ball to run with, and I think she did uh, pretty well with it. Uh, she confirms that Palpatine's spirit lives on in a clone body, thanks to Palps performing an essence transfer, which he learned from none other than Dark Plagueis. It's that his clone body is failing under the, under the immense power of the dark side, and Palps basically has hours before it gives in entirely, which then goes some way to explaining the breakneck pace of the of the film. Palps wants this done quick so he doesn't die. The Resistance have got to stop it quick so Palps will die. And therein lies your uh, breakneck pacing. Uh, so it, we also go in f- further into Palpatine's thoughts, motivations and his plan. Including the moment of his fall in The Return of the Jedi. Uh, even if, again, we mentioned the Essence Transfer. It's steeped in that kind of EU weirdness, which I don't like. An Essence Transfer is something that Lukey Boy and I both thought would be a bit naff if it happened. It did happen, but I mean, how else were they? how else were they going to do it? And in in a story where the Force and floating uh, wizards and light swords are all real in this story, essence transfer still seems a bit odd. But that's just me. Palps talks about the Vader-Luke duel, like I mentioned in Return of the Jedi, and how it links to the situation with Rey on Exegol, which is pretty cool. We find out that Rey's dad is a failed clone of Palpatine. This throws in some canon contradictions as to 
the race parents' motivations for actually leaving her on Jakku doesn't really line up. And also, Ray's dad's a clone, and he he was he perhaps hated his son. He thought he was useless, but thought he could carry on the lineage through more natural means. If you know what I mean. The dark side is a pathway to abilities some may consider natural. Um, so Ray's granddaddy is perhaps Ray's dad is a clone, and his and her mum is just her mum. But his Fortnite speech is included. The speech that we could only hear in Fortnite. An absolute ridiculous idea for marketing. Hey, play this game, Fortnite. And you can hear Palpatine's uh, return. You can It happens in a game. Why? But we get this speech here. That last the work of generations is complete. The great era is corrected. The, the day of victory is at hand. The day of revenge. The day of the Sith. So we get more about Palps. I enjoyed what we got. The Battle of Exegol gets um, some decent exposure as well on that. Zay Versio, the daughter of Aiden from the Battlefront 2 campaign. She's present. Shriv uh, Sergav is uh, surprisingly not present for that battle. But uh, as to the ghost, we know that. But the ship actually calls into battle over the intercom. Ghost standing by. We don't know who's piloting the ship, but we'd love to think it's Hera, don't we? Come on. Hera and little Jason Sindula are going to show the, the dark side, going to uh, take some names. And also Kaz from Star Wars Resistance is name-checked. And he calls in, um, in true Kaz style. And uh, as a, a, a man of a gruff voice is alongside him, who I imagine is Jaeger. So that was pretty cool. And that's what I love. They're the tie-ins I love. To know that the characters from these expanded canon are in there somewhere. Um, the Unknown Regions is fleshed out slightly in more descriptive terms than we've got before. But they're still a bit scarce. But we get a bit more insight into what's going on uh, beyond the known galaxy. Wicket gets a paragraph on Endor. And the Jedi voices scene is far less impactful in the book, I've got to say. There's no names mentioned of who is talking to Rey. Whereas in the movie, of course, we recognise the voices. Uh, interesting enough as well. Uh, some of the voices are described as being anchored to the living in a strange way. That's verbatim. And the first time I read that was, I saw, ah, oh, is that confirmation that Ahsoka Tano is still with us? Because it says that um, some of the Jedi are more recent, some are ancient, and the vo- some of the voices are being, are they're, they're being anchored to the living. So uh, it seems to be, to me, that that thinks that, you know, a couple of these voices may still be of the Jedi that are still alive. Maybe one of them was Ezra after all, even though he wasn't name-checked. So um, I took that as confirmation that Ahsoka may still be with us. But the Battle of Exegol gets more details about some of the ships that fought, some of the ships that went down, some of the characters we lost. So we've got quite a lot of that as well, uh, which I enjoyed, especially because it's such a big moment in the film as well. Raylo. What would Raylo. Uh, Raylo gets uh, Raylo gets a bit of love in this, depending on what side of the fence you fall on. I'm in the middle, ambivalent. Raylo gets some love in uh, the kiss. The what internet's gone wild of people saying the kiss wasn't a romantic. It's just what you do when somebody gives you the correct change in the supermarket. I think people may have taken the words out of context. The the kiss was for, for one of the reasons amongst the mothers was for their connection. You know their connection. Ray wakes up from death, sees them, and it's for. Relief, joy, happiness, and the connection they share. Connection may mean more than just their dyad. People in love always say they are connected. They've got that connection. So just think about it. You know, what I mean, it's just, it, I, I, it's clear to me that it meant their connection, like romantically and via the force as well, rather than just being Ray being the person who doesn't even kiss on the first date. She just kisses whenever she wants. Uh, and Ben Solo, when he becomes one with the force, and Ray is uh, looking out over the. Twin sons of Tatooine. Ben tells her he will always be with her, which is a lovely 
thing to uh, have at the end that Ben is with her after everything that's been there. They shared that moment, but he'll always be with her in spirit. And that's the stories I want to see. How Ray carries on with life after the huge events of the Resistance First Order War. Her awakening, the familial revelations, her new family, the Skywalker's Finn Ponal. And carrying the burden of lost love and companionship with Ben. How does she deal with that? How does it stay with her? How does it affect her now that her life has some sense, some semblance of normality to it? How does she kind of carry all of that on her shoulders? Plus the little fact that she is the last Jedi as well. They are just kind of, sort of deep down human stories I want to be seeing. Especially when it concerns Rey. Uh, and uh, to get more Ben Solo. Even if it was just in the uh, in the form of a false voice. All for that man. All for that. Um, what we get more on Finn and his force sensitivity. Boyega confirmed in press tours after the rise of Skywalker that he was force sensitive. And we get a little bit more in the book here. Some real emotional moments as well. Rose gets some development finally. My girl Rose Tico finally gets some uh, development after she was done dirty in the film. So too does Zori Bliss. And her escape from Kojimi's covered. Little things like that. It doesn't take up a lot of the book. But it's just enough to make you realise. Well how does she get from Kojimi blowing up to the Battle of Exegol. What happened in between. And do you know what? It's all believable. It's all. It's nothing like Flight of Fancy stuff. Uh, the Force Healing. The controversial Force Healing is explained a bit more and the origins and where the idea came from to Ray. Chewie's relationship with Ben Solo gets some great moments. There's some really good moments uh, with those two in this, which uh, when you read it, you, you know what I mean? It's a real emotional moments, and it forms some of the emotional crux of Ben Solo's redemption is the moments with Chewie. And Chewie hasn't given up on the boy, the boy he cradled as, he, as when he was just a baby. So that was lovely to see. Uh, Luke Skywalker gets a little bit more to do in the book, but he is just an ever-present voice in Leia's head, instructing her from the beyond. And uh, how those two go back and forward is great. I always hear Carrie Fisher in my head uh, as Leia uh, talking back to Luke, and it's great. Speaking of those two, Luke and Leia training on AJ and Kloss uh, gets a lot more detail, which is apparently meant to be the original in opening to The Rise of Skywalker. It's fleshed out more in the book. Um, AJ and Kloss, Luke calls it Nice Dagobah which is a nice little nod. Uh, we get more insight into their relationship, Leia's thoughts on training and the voices of the past that have contacted her, which is interesting. And she reflects, Leia reflects on passing the legacies attached to her three surnames on. So her surnames of Skywalker, Organa and Solo. She reflects on who can have those names when she uh, when she passes. Obviously metaphorically, of course. Who can take up the mantle of the Skywalkers? Who can take up the mantle of the Organas and the Solos? Really interesting, and uh, it helps me reconcile the end as well, the very end with Ray Skywalker. And the ending is a sunrise on Tat on Tatooine. The suns are rising. Of course, in A New Hope, the suns are setting when Luke is looking at them, at the wide-eyed farm boy. At the end of The Rise of Skywalker, the twin suns are rising. It's a new day, baby. And yes, Poe, Finn and the gang are on the Falcon waiting for Rey. She hasn't literally taken up a home in the Lars homestead or on Tatooine. She is just there to... Honour the memory of her family, her masters, bury the lightsabers and see what came before. And then she's off, man. She's off globetrotting the galaxy. Probably going to let her hair down. Maybe go for a, go out for a nice meal, have a cocktail or two, enjoy herself. So as for the book itself, I mean, there's a lot of emotion created within the pages of this novel. That really helps. The movie had plenty too. Let's not kid ourselves. But with, those, but with the images from the movie in mind and the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack from John Williams gently playing in the background... Things like the great, a great description of Ray looking out over AJ and Kloss for a final time before they go on her adventure at the beginning of the film mean more now, having read the novel. 
Leia's appearance gets more, even more weight attached to it, and Ray herself gets more depth than we've seen before, which is great. Going back to watch the film is going to be a real treat, having read this book now. Uh, I will say, though, there were some spelling and grammatical errors which bugged me, more so than I'm used to seeing. In that Fortnite speech which Palpatine so kindly gave the players of that game uh, access to, the, it says it actually says, uh, the great error is corrected, they day of victory is at hand, T-H-E-Y. And there's a couple more like that throughout, which is, uh, I, I, it's noticeable, especially in a big old um, release like this, you'd think that maybe they could have been eradicated, but no, there are a few spelling and grammatical errors in there that bugged me. Uh, for those who didn't like The Rise of Skywalker, whether you're going to like this is another story. No pun intended. The book doesn't retcon anything, because why would it? So the things that you didn't like in the movie are still here with Carson trying to build upon them or trying to make sense of some of the strange decisions that she was given. So it depends on whether you want to accept the the uh, decisions that were made on top of the decisions that you didn't like, whether it smoothed over the cracks or ruined it, for, made it even worse for you. Read the book and find out. It's well worth it. Uh, I get people don't want to read a book to get greater details about a story, and it's an argument that's bandied around a lot. However... The Last Jedi, Solo, and the Rogue One novels added so much to those movies in such different positive ways, and they're all for the better, even though Rogue One was just wonderful by itself. Uh, Solo especially, I mean, it completely expands that story. And the Rise of Skywalker novel does that too. However, this one has had a harder task, I think, to tie strands up to appease fans. Let's not lie, fans needed appeasing, and they tried uh, to attempt to make sense of JJ and Chris Terrio's corner cutting, whilst also delivering a fine story all at once. There's an awful lot of this book actually had to tie up, and I think this had a lot more pressure on its shoulders, considering the reception that the film got. People have turned their eyes to this book and had to try and give them a better experience or to give them the answers they crave. So it had an awful lot on its uh, papery shoulders. And I think Ray Carson did a really good job. I loved reading this book. I loved it. The information within it, I enjoyed. Nine, 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10 of the new revelations or the uh, new expanded details we got, I dug completely. And there was nothing I distinctly hated. There were a few things which were a bit on the fence about, but nothing I thought, right, this is terrible. I think this was a great job. In fact, I may prefer this novel to the movie itself. I really enjoyed it that much. That may make me a heretic to fans out there, but I had a great time with this book, and it gave me what I wanted from the story. The Rise of Skywalker had a good story. It just wasn't uh, executed as well as it could have been. This book goes a long way to soothing those uh, issues that I had. So the Rise of Skywalker novel, the expanded edition by Ray Carson, absolutely recommend picking it up. Or check out the audiobook. The audiobook's wonderful. Go audible and check that out. Absolutely recommend picking up. It's a big recommendation from me. So uh, that's the review. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again to the uh, legends over at Del Rey UK in Star Wars Books. Thank you again for sending this and all the other ones through as well. If you get a chance to pick this up, do so. As for the show, if you're new, find StarWarsSessions.co.uk or find all the shows, all the news, all of our appearances, all of our radio appearances. Everything will be on there. Otherwise, you can hear the shows on every podcast provider. We drop them weekly, me and my boy, Lukey. Lukey Bly, hashtag AKA Master Bly Walker. So, that is my review of the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Looking forward to watching the film again. Looking forward to what you guys thought. Let us know what you thought of the book if you've read it. And if you're not going to read it, let us know why. Interested to know why. However, that is that. 
for this little uh, book review episode of Star Wars Sessions Extra. So until next time, as always from me, it's see ya. Oh, no.